Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Between Us. I am your host, Ashleen Chan. And in today's episode, I want to talk about love after loss. More specifically around when you have parents who, after the passing away of the significant other, have found a chance at love again. However, today we are going to be sharing the perspective of grown adult children who find themselves on this journey trying to navigate the newfound relationships, the journey of trying to understand, accept, and really trying to embrace the parents' newfound love after the loss of their spouse. Today, I am joined by a very dear friend of mine, and I have invited her here to talk about this because we have both gone through this experiences in the last few years, and it's a journey that is deeply personal to us. And we're going to have similar, I think, but different perspectives. So I invite you all to listen with an open heart. Before we dive into this, I want to introduce my friend who is here with me today. Her name is Sofal, and we have known each other Sofal, what, 22, 23 years? We met each other in high school. Yes, we did. In high school. Yes. And one of our other friends was here recording an episode with me. And she was the one who befriended me and brought me into the group. What is your memory, earliest memory of us? The earliest memory? I mean, I think in high school, we had a really small group of friends Mm -hmm. of about maybe four or five of us, you know. And I remember that we used to go over to my house at one of the nights and we were watching scary movies together. And that was like... I've never had a sleepover. And so that was like my first sleepover because my parents are very like Asian and very culturally strict. Strict, yes. So I've never had anybody go come over to my house or be invited to another house and they would allow me to actually go over mm-hmm. to some friend's house and sleepover or even just go and hang out mm-hmm. at anybody. So coming when we had that experience, that was something I remember back then. And we were able to talk through the night and pretty much scared each other. Little did you know at that point at hosting your first sleepover that that was going to be one of many to come. It felt like we never left your house <laughs> after that. Yeah. Someone or the other from the group was always there. Yeah, there was definitely after that, there was more visitation and coming over. And I think Part of that is, too, because your family kind of gets to know your friends. That's right. And so they're more comfortable in, in inviting the, the people that you know over. And that made it a lot easier. And I know that when we had events or because my mom did a lot of kind of get together. Mm-hmm. And so she would you know invite everybody. Yes. Her family, her friends. And so when she invites people, she invites my friends. And that's one of the things that, like, you know, I remember that's how my mom met everybody, too, was, you know, just coming to those parties. And absolutely. And to add to that, and this is, I think, why your family became our family. And like even the extended family, we got to know them so well. And it didn't even take very long for your house to become like our house in a sense that we would walk in and it just felt like home. And that's so rare. Again, a lot of kudos, I think, to the warmth that you have and also like to your parents because they exuded that where the kids as teenagers, we felt welcome. And that just 
their love and affection just continued as we got older and went through different stages of life. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Because for me personally, the next person that I actually went over to their house was Sam, mm. you know, one of our friends. And that was the first house I actually got invited to. And my mom actually allowed me to go because she met her and she got to know her. So mm -hmm. she felt more comfortable in allowing me to do that. So I think part of that is just like, again, kind of stepping out of their comfort zone. But I think to our credit, they knew that we were all goody to all of us. And even the one or two guys in a group, right? Yeah. They, we were all goody two shoes. We did everything by the book in terms of go to school, get good grades, be at the top of your class, get into good colleges, just... Yeah, no, definitely. That was actually one of the added factors. The fact that you're doing so well in school. Mm -hmm. And so they gave you a little bit more trust in that perspective. Yeah. So with my mom, she allowed me to like go out a little bit more because she knows that I'm still going to be focusing on my studies. Because mm -hmm. that was her one main thing was when you're in high school, you got to finish high school. You got to go to college. You got to pick a good college. You got to make sure you do all that before you focus on anything else. So, yeah. Likewise. Likewise. So, so many good memories of our parents, too. Another thing I remember, too, is your parents used to have a donut shop. And that became sort of our staple place yes. to hang yeah. out. I agree. After school, every day. At, after school, during the summer. They even employed some yeah. of us. I know. I mean, I fall short of words in describing, like, how big their hearts were. We sort of became their adopted kids. They've said that all the time. They're like, knowing your friends are like our daughters or our sons, too, mm -hmm. you know? So to them, it's like, it's their kids. And they want to make sure that my friends are comfortable. And I felt most of the time that my parents were very welcoming. And so Absolutely. they would reach out and make sure that you're really comfortable or, that, you know, if there's anything wrong, anything they can help out with, they always offer. And they're, when you guys go for a long period of time, when we were in college, they're like, did you talk to this person? Did you talk to that person? Now, how is that person doing? Or how is this person doing? So they're always reminding you that, hey, I know I met your friends. So where are they? Now? Where are they? Now? <laughs> I want an update you kind of thing. Yeah, because they invested and it's not invested. They care. It is a genuine love and yes. care that is coming out. And as you get older, you don't really realize the importance of all of their emotions until much later when you have a moment to sit back and reflect. But how lucky were we to really find that genuine love and warmth? Sometimes people are not even that lucky to get that in their own houses. Not only did we get it from our parents, we got it from our friends' parents. Yeah. Where people genuinely open up their hearts and homes to you. But I also want to touch upon, go back and touch upon something that you said which was about your parents, they were always willing to help. And I think everybody can attest to that. But another thing I also wanted to acknowledge, and I've said this many a times, I am so blessed and so fortunate that I have you and of course all the other girls in our groups, but you have the biggest heart. And I say this to everybody that I meet. And you know, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but when I had moved, to the city and started school here and I had, you know, befriended all of you guys. I remember sitting for the SATs and I don't know why I approached you, but I didn't have money. My parents were struggling a lot too. They were working out two and a half, three jobs just to survive. And I came to you and I think it was like 
32 bucks or something to sit for the SAT, 1632 bucks, something like that. Yeah, I think so. And you gave me the money for SATs. And in that moment, you didn't even think we were all teenagers, but it such a profound impact on me till this day. And since then, so far, every single venture that I have delved into, whether it be real estate. Yeah, I said you helped me on that one too. Yes, but like you trusted me, right? So when I started, I got my real estate license to start practicing real estate. You were my first client, first house. And then from real estate, I said, oh, let me try a new business. I started a travel agency. You got your tickets from me as well. And here we are. This is another venture I'm doing. And I asked you to comment and you know, speak to me about this deeply personal topic that we're going to dive into. And here you are, didn't blink an eye to support me once again. Your heart is so big. I am just so, so grateful. It's really hard to find people who genuinely just want to support every single venture of yours, right? I've had this opportunity in front of a wider audience to thank you, and I don't want to miss out on it. So thank you for your love and your implicit trust in me. I think part of that is because we share a lot of the same common experiences. And it's interesting because those experiences pull us back together in a lot of ways. And so, I don't know, sometimes for me, it's like fate. Even though there's things that you do to like, I guess, kind of meet people and things like that. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes you have to work extra hard to actually get along with somebody. And with you and me, I don't think we have to ever do that. It's always it's, it's so easy. Yeah. And so I think part of that is just, you know, our commonality as well, too. And you say I have a big heart, but I think you have a big heart as well, oh. too. So to actually like include me in things that when your dad passed away and you told me, like, still, Paul, you know, it's the funeral is this X, Y, and Z day. I felt so honored because like you trusted me to come over and it's an event that's very family knit event. Mm. And so to be able to be part of that, it's like those kind of experiences that pull you back in and make you realize that, hey, you know, this person is important to me. Yeah. Thank you for that beautiful memory. I mean, just talking, like just sitting like this, it's refreshing our memories of like 10, 15 years ago. And it's recalling the time, like you mentioned my dad and yeah. your mom as well, who my dad is no longer with me and your mom yeah. has also passed away. But the beauty is that we have seen the love between like your mom and your dad, my mom and my dad. And now foray into why we're here today to talk about our parents finding love for a second time. That has also been interesting. And I think when we got together during the holidays or right after, it was when with the group at large, we had both discussed and you were unaware that my mom had moved on. And similarly for me, I was unaware. But I think also I have just been like when these things happen, I just hunger down. I'm the same way. And I, I don't want to talk about it. I only talked about it with a few people. And it's just something you have to deal with on your own terms. So before we go on, I just want to emphasize to people who are listening that as we discuss this topic, which is adult children who have to grapple with new emotions, new relationships, just understand that when we talk about our perspective, it's not a one size fits all. Every family, every individual and every situation is unique. Our purpose here is to explore a variety of perspectives and 
navigating through uncharted emotional waters as well. There may be emotions that come up that perhaps you and I haven't talked about enlarged with other people. And so like to everybody listening in, if you have ever felt conflicted, excited, or a myriad of different emotions. Confused. Yeah, yeah. confused. That's a great one. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, thank you, Silval. Confused about your parents' new love story. You are not alone. We have gone through it and we're going to get started with our experiences. So, Paul, just earlier, we're talking about our parents. Like, my dad passed away at the age of 50. When he passed away at the age of 50, my mom was 44. Very young widow. It never occurred to me that my mom would remarry. And I think part of that, too, is culturally, right? Coming from South Asian culture, yes. Women who become young widows do remarry. But I think because I immediately jumped into the role of playing the man of the household, I knew that I would have to take care of my mom, my sister, and my niece. She was only a few months old at that time. The thought of her meeting somebody never crossed my mind. And 13 years had gone by after my dad's passing until she met somebody. And with my dad, he was her first love. I've only known her with him and my dad he loved her from the core of his being so when she found a new partner I understood but it was still unexpected so I don't know if you had similar thoughts as well so with my parents when I was younger my mom was kind of like the boss of the house Mm. so and then my dad was the person who did everything that my mom ask him to do and growing up that way I felt like my dad he did that because he loved my mom so for me after my mom passed I felt the same way I felt as though you know what I don't think because one of our friends mom had actually asked me if you think your dad would ever remarry and I told her no because at that time I was thinking there's no way that he would ever look at another woman or even think about remarrying. Because like I said, when I was growing up, he was pretty much in love with her. He was so devoted to her. And both of them were pretty much in love with each other. Mm -hmm. So the fact that if anything, none of that would ever have crossed my mind that he would ever find new love or find a new partner. Let me ask you this. When that was the first time somebody asked you that question and how long or had that subject been brought up? So my mom passed away about almost five years ago Mm -hmm. to this day. So when that happened was when I think one of our friends was graduating and I flew to Hawaii. I went to her graduation and her mom was there. And I think that was about maybe six months after my mom had passed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so that after six months of your mom's passing, that was the first time somebody, somebody had ever brought up that topic of... I definitely told her, like, you know, I do not believe that he'll ever get remarried or, you know, find a new love. And that changed after another six months. So a year into my mom's passing, when he made that announcement that he had found somebody, I was in shock. I was confused at the same time. How did you find out? So what happened was... We were Cambodians. So mm-hmm. he went back to Cambodia. He went to visit Cambodia. He came back because his mom is still alive over there. Your dad's mom. Yes, mm-hmm. with my grandma. So he went back to visit 
his mom. Mm -hmm. And when he was there, he met somebody. And then he came back and we found out through, I think, the phone conversations because I was being charged on my phone, like internet. Are you guys at a family plan? We have a family plan. Yeah. And so I was wondering what was going on because I'm being charged for these international calls. And my parents are still not familiar with the whole international calls and how to get paid prepaid cards sometimes because they right. think it's part of the plan. But when you see your bill and you're like, well, this month it's like 200 and something dollars or 300 and something dollars and you're paying normally like 100 or something. That's mm-hmm. when you're like, wait, what's going on? Because I typically don't look at my call history. Until very typical that dollar transactions have gone up every month. Yes. And when you look at that, you're like, wait, hold on. Where's this call international? And, you, and then that's when the conversation came up between me, him, and my sister. We ended up confronting him, I think it was a month after that, asking him like, what's going on? And also a part of that is, I think on his Facebook, he created a Facebook. He never had a Facebook what? page. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he created- Your dad got into <laughs> social media? Yeah. And- I don't even know how that happened because he would be needing us because setting up the account and everything. He, really? He, he asked a friend. He asked one of his friends to do it. But we found that out, you know, later. Much later. Much later, mm-hmm. yeah. But the other part is that my brother also went on the trip with him. And so he kind of knew the lady that was my dad was talking to. Like, did but your brother know that they were talking or he just knew that they were friendly? He knew that they were friendly. He didn't. And nothing more than that. Yeah, nothing more than that. Until, like I said, we saw the phone log, started asking questions. And then he got into, my brother was the last person to actually get into the conversation. And he's like, oh, I know this person. Because the thing was, we started looking at his social media accounts. And we saw the picture. And the first person he added was this lady. lady. Mm -hmm. So when you and your sister sat down to talk to him, did he just blurt it out? I don't remember the actual, all the details mm-hmm. in the conversation. I know that we sat down and we had a conversation with him of who this person was. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's just somebody he's talking to right now. He wants to get to know her better and he's interested. Mm-hmm. And after that, I think six months later, he went back to Cambodia again. So... Essentially, a year after your mom's passing, you found out that he was communicating with somebody that he met while visiting his mom. Mm -hmm. And then a year and a half later, he went back to Cambodia to visit her again? Yes, I believe so. That's what I perceived it as. What what happened? Well, he did go back there and he did go visit her Mm -hmm. after that six months. Nothing really happened. He came back and... Like I said, I don't remember all the actual tiny details, Mm -hmm. but I know when he came back, I told him that like he couldn't stay at my house anymore. Because you were unhappy with him getting to know somebody else? Pretty much, yes. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Because one, like I said, when I had that conversation with one of our friend's moms asked me, Mm -hmm. no, do you think your dad would ever get remarried? Mm -hmm. My first instinct was no. No, my dad would never marry another woman. Mm-hmm. He loves my mom. And like I said, I grew up in a very like loving family. It never crossed my mind that my dad would ever, even if my mom had passed. Especially it was within a year. And he would never cheat on my mom. And he didn't. He never mm-hmm. cheated on my mom. 
you know, when you watch those dramas sometimes and you have the person who's like in love and you think that, you know, they're always going to be right in love. And that Even way, after, other, after like, your partner passes yes, away, yes. that love will never fade. That one can replace it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in that short time span of a year, maybe people don't think that's a short time span. But when you grew up that way, it's a very short time span of seeing your mom or your dad mm-hmm. pick up a different partner mm-hmm. or, you know, try to get to know somebody. And there's multiple aspects of this that I do not want to share because of course it's personal in terms of my thoughts. And it's also kind of, I guess you can say like a cultural thing yes. that I, I have my own perception of what I think it is, but I don't want to push that boundary in terms of like, you know, I still want to give that respect in terms of, you know, his decision. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just going to leave that alone and not include it in this conversation. Yeah. And that's fair. And I completely understand. I'm going to ask you this. Did you feel betrayed? Oh, yeah. I was angry. All the emotions that you feel when somebody that you know, that you trust, completely like does like a 180. And you're in that state where you're like, how, when, what, where, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. What did I do? What changed Mm -hmm. from whatever situation that you're in? How come all of a sudden, like, they didn't tell you, they didn't come out and share it with you? Mm -hmm. Because... They probably knew you would disapprove this. Yes, the mm-hmm. reaction to be the thing. But you have a sense of like trust. And so that trust was completely, I guess, battered by that situation for me. I lost pretty much all trust in my dad after that situation because I just felt like completely betrayed. And it's not so much that like he did anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but it was just my own personal feelings. Yeah, that's how I felt. And that part of that, like I said, the part of that confusion came from the fact that one, you know, you think you know a person, but then you really don't. And I'll share my experience too, but isn't that wild in a sense? Because these are your parents. Exactly. Your dad lived with you. I've lived with my mom and then she's lived with me. So you feel like you know them like the back of your hand. Oh, they raise you and they'll say the same thing that they know you just like you say, you know them, you know, but circumstances yeah can make it seem like you don't know each other at all yes i can relate to so many things that you're saying is because i went through similar emotions as well and what you just said got done saying in terms of i thought i knew my mom right let me also share like how i found out so my mom it had been 13 years it's been actually this year has been 15 years since my dad passed away for 13 years we had just been busy with life trying to get ourselves back up on our feet. So because we were so busy trying to make ends meet, raising my niece, trying, also helping my sister at that time too, it never dawned on me that my mom would find another partner. During the pandemic, I had gone off to Mexico because I had cabin fever and that was the only country (laughs) that was open. And so when I came back, I noticed like that you can just tell there's a difference my mom was like being secretive and she was talking and I thought this is weird. And then she just casually said to me that she's on dating websites. And I said, what? So I didn't think anything of it. Actually, and, and to think about it now, I don't really know how I felt. I just heard it, but didn't hear it. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so later, I think a few weeks had gone by, she, you know, we had gone into an argument over something. Because at that time, too, I think we were having growing pains. 
from living together. And there was a few other factors too. And plus the pandemic didn't help adding in extra stress. So she said, this is what she was, these were thoughts going on the back of her head is that she said, when you get married, you're going to have your husband and your own family. And who is going to sit there and talk to me? Like, who am I going to talk to? And I said, I understand that mom, but I said, why do you think I would abandon you? But I take on this the responsibility with pride. So I said, why are you thinking that way? I don't understand. And she said, no, you need your own life. You have your own family. And at that time, so far, I couldn't process it. I think now, in hindsight, two and a half years later, it, and it didn't even take me that long. I understand where she's coming from, right? Because she wants to give me my own space. Uh-huh. Because she knows I, knowing who I am, I wouldn't run away from my responsibilities. But what you were saying earlier, too, is that I would say to her, I said, Mom, are you talking to people? And she's like, no, no, I'm not. But after a while, I noticed her being on her phone a lot more. And so I wanted to know just out of concern and give her, I guess, dating tips, if you may. Because I was telling her, I said, Mom, I got on online dating with Match and eHarmony. However, you are experienced. So you were trying I to had, I have so much experience. And since then, I've seen the evolution of all the dating apps. And as we had mentioned earlier, I had only seen my mom with my dad. So I said, you know, you cannot just tie yourself down to one person. If you're going to date multiple people, this way you get to know them and get to know yourself because you have, you were only with dad and then you have been alone for 13 plus years. And I told my mom, I said, mom, if you and I are taking trips every summer and creating memories, I need somebody to come into your life and do the same. I thought I was making sense. But she just completely overlooked everything that I was saying. And at one point, I felt like I had an errant teenager. You know what I mean? Like with the late night phone calls, if I say something, they get really upset because they want to be like in their room and having a phone conversation. When I would talk to her, she wasn't not even about like her relationship or who she was dating. When I would try to even have a conversation with her, she would be preoccupied. And then I started getting irritated because I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of when I was a teenager and all I wanted to do was be on my phone. And so she wasn't telling me anything. And I'm never, I have never been the one to like violate her privacy. Like I wouldn't look at her phone, but I was like, my God, I am so tempted to look up who she's talking to because I was genuinely concerned. And so... When I would try to sit down and openly communicate with my mom, she would get really upset. And so her, what she would say to me often was, well, you know how I am, how I was raised. I don't feel comfortable talking about it. And like, there's a lot of things I keep to myself. And to which I would respond with mom, I would tell her, I said, you should be really happy that you have two daughters who are very open-minded and understanding and are communicative in the sense that we want to have this open dialogue. But she was uncomfortable due to how she's been raised and how she's been living most of her life. She suppresses a lot of her emotions, right? And she made up her mind that she wanted to do this and based on the excuses that she told herself, like, oh, my daughter's going to get married. The guy is going to come and live under this house. I'm not going to have the freedom. 
And I said to her, I said, Mom, where are you getting all these thoughts from? I said, why would he come and live here? I would go to his house. This house is yours. So this went on. She just would stop talking. And then she went to go visit him. And soon after, she said she was moving to the state that he lived in. And I was shell-shocked. Felt betrayed. And I was angry with how things unfolded. The situation. Yes. I think I would have been better accepting in that moment if there was open communication. I just felt I wasn't being informed. I was being told I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And I was expected to accept it. I was expected to not have any emotion, any thoughts, or have an opinion about it. And that's what bothered me. The other thing that bothered me greatly was there was no support in terms of there was a lot of support from her siblings for this new venture because she went back and communicated how she felt and they were more supportive based on whatever she communicated. And fair enough, I get that. But nobody came and asked me, what are your thoughts? Outcasted, not outcasted, abandoned. Sorry, that's a better word. I felt abandoned. And I thought, okay, Ash, it's okay. She needs the support right now. She's older. So I decided to take a step back from my family. And I love, I love my family to pieces. And for me to do that was a big deal because I thought I expect elders to know better. That was so frustrating and it's just very lonely. No, I completely agree. I think for me, my shell shock came from like the fact that it was too short of a time for me. Mm, I was yes. still in the grieving process. Yep. And your mom, with you and your mom, you had 13 years. That's right. That's a large chunk of time to process everything. But for me, it was very short. Very, very short. Other people might not think so, but based on the way that I grew up, it is very... Well, for your parents, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they worked together 30 plus years, right? Yes, they were together. They've never had anybody else. It's only been them. Yeah. I mean, I personally would have to agree with you in the sense that if you have been together for so long and then within a year, somebody finds somebody culturally, culturally, that's shocking for us. Because also in my culture, for one year, we have all these prayers and rituals that we have to do. So, and I don't know about like, Cambodian culture is it the same like yeah it's the same we have like a one-year kind of ceremony that we do as mm -hmm. well so even more shocking that that ceremony hasn't taken place and your dad has already like found somebody that he's taken a great liking to yes it's I guess you know that betrayal that you said my brother my sister and I we all sat down with him and had a conversation and said how serious are you mm -hmm. and he's like oh I don't know yet I'm still debating but I think within one year I might want to like marry her and so that when we had that conversation I definitely felt all kinds of emotion I was all over the place because I didn't expect it at all what was your sister's and your brother's reaction they were pretty much in the same I think point and I kept going back and I was like what are we doing wrong that was what is going on why can't we fulfill like what is it that they're missing what can I do for them did those thoughts cross your mind 
It definitely did. It's I asked them because he said the same thing similar to what your mom had said, that you're going to have your own family. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to take care of your family and I'm going to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that fear. Of it was 100% alone. that fear, being alone. Yeah. And he kept repeating that. He's like, who's going to take care of me? And a part of me understood that because when you're with another person mm-hmm. and you're always kind of dependent on one each other, mm-hmm. it's very hard to cut that kind of connection. And also uh, that lonely feeling is, it's that empty feeling that you don't have the other person anymore. And for me, that fear for him kind of like pushed him a little bit faster than I anticipated. Or like I said, I didn't even anticipate it at all, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of how I grew up with both of my parents. And so when he mentioned it, that he was going to be lonely, that he needed somebody to uh, take care of him, that he needed somebody to be with, I thought to myself, you have your kids. You have me, you have my brother, you have my sister, you have your grandkids. What do you mean you're going to be alone? You are never going to be alone in that perspective. But in his perspective, it's somebody that he can go to. It's it's like a comfort thing Mm -hmm. that he needs. And you think that you can provide that, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think like after my mom moved out, right? I mean, I recognize that, but it really dawned on me because she was saying the same thing. Like, I'm lonely. And I said, mom, you have me. We do all these things together. And she said, you get up and leave. Like if you want to go on vacation, if you're burned out from work, you just book a flight and you go, which is true. And she said, you know, I have my sisters and I can talk to them and I have my friends. But what happens if I'm laying here at night and I choke? Oh, I need a glass of water. Or if I need somebody to just, you know, rub my back because I don't know, I need to burp or something. And she said, you don't understand how important a companion is. You have everything else going for you. But that feeling of companionship is something that I probably wouldn't comprehend because I'm not married yet. And I, I mean, right. yes, I've been in relationships, so I get it. But for her, they're coming from a long-term committed, committed relationship yeah. that they've been in since they were very young. So they don't, I think part of that is with my dad, at least from my perspective, I felt that it was fear. It was fear him. too for my mom. It's the fear of one, being alone, and two, it's the fear that you're empty. A part of you is empty. You don't have that person mm-hmm. anymore, and you don't know what to do. You don't know what to think. You just need somebody to come in, and sometimes, at least for your mom, it's, like I said, the process was a lot longer. Much longer, yeah. But for him, he was, I think, he just wanted to get back on, and he was like, I need that other person. I can't do this alone. But that's that part of it was that's what angered me was because this whole time he wasn't alone. No, we were all struggling, mm-hmm. processing. But yet here he is, you know, he only thought of his pain. Right. And he hadn't had time to heal. Yep. Do you think it would have you would have been a little bit more accepting if a little bit more time had passed and you could see that he was healing before diving right in? I would totally, yeah. I think for me, if he had taken that extra time mm-hmm. to just process everything, I would have been a little bit less angry, a little bit less frustrated with him. 
just everything, all the emotions that I went through, mm-hmm. I think I would have been a little bit less of everything. I was still probably going to be shocked. I was still going to be, you know, all the above, but just not as, hey, what is going on? Why can't this be, you know, just allow the healing process to go through a little bit more. Right. Give it that extra time. I think you owe, he owes it to himself. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the person that you're jumping into this relationship with, they know that you just lost somebody. How is it that they're pushing so hard to replace that person? In my mind, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. It's if they were, let's say, a decent understanding person, they would have given you that time that you needed to process it and not like come across as so aggressive. They would have said, I know you went through a loss. Let's talk. Let's be friends and see where it goes, but let's not rush exactly into anything. That's what you would have liked to see, just yes. to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, again, it's I think a part of him is that he was really afraid of being alone. And he's always been with my mom. They were inseparable, pretty much. They did everything together. Oh, they did everything. I don't yeah. think, like, any of us, and by that I mean, like, our group of friends have ever seen your parents without each other. I have never. No, they've always done things together. Always yeah. together. They're always dragging. Even my mom have to, you know, she has to drag him to go do X, Y, Z, but he'll do it. You he'll know? do it. Yeah, yeah, he'll go. Even if he's tired from baking the night before and she wants him to, like, go to a friend's house, go to, to you know, thing. he'll do it, he'll go there. Take all the time because they wanted, they understood the t- like the fact that they were sharing a time together, you know, mm-hmm. um, an experience together. And that's part of it, I think, is that, you know, he lost that experience and he didn't know who he can go to to kind of fill that void that he was missing. And it was just, for me, it was just too quick. So let me ask you something that you had mentioned a bit earlier in our conversation, which was you asked your dad to move out. This was like after like a, his second or third trip, like a year and a half into, yeah, after your mom's passing. <laughs> did you discuss it with your brother and your sister? I did. And actually, we had sat down with him before and I told him that if he was going to go on this trip, that when he came back, because his intention for the trip was not what I our intention for the trip Mm -hmm. what i wanted him to go and do was to go back talk to the lady the girl Mm -hmm. or the lady and have this conversation that this is going to take time Mm -hmm. that this isn't going to happen right away but that didn't happen it was i'm going to go back i'm going to ask her to marry me oh so while you guys were chatting he said you were saying dad let's take it slow and he said no i'm going back with the intention of marriage yeah and he the intention is to do that it was like another bomb that he was dropping you guys were not expecting that at all yeah no okay so to take it kind of back a little bit mm-hmm. when we first found out he was in denial he said no he wasn't talking to anybody same was, with my mom yeah <laughs> why exactly so he's like it's nobody it's nothing you guys don't have to worry about it kind of thing but that's you know it progressed and then we can definitely see it and then the intent was cut it off just completely cut it off don't hop to her anymore give yourself some time let's say give yourself like at least six months just not talking to anybody you know spending time with your family sit with your feelings process it process it and 
he couldn't do it. He was doing things behind our back, even though he said he would. Some people just don't have the willpower. <laughs> they don't. And again, it was like that kind of reoccurrence of, to me, it felt like betrayal, you know, mm-hmm. going back behind our back and talking to the woman and trying to get to know her. And just, I felt like he was comforting her more than he was comforting his family, trying to make the situation better. And so that's when, after six months, he was going to go back and he was going to thingy and pretty much ask her to marry him or like they were going to get married. And there's a whole side story to this that like, I don't want to share her because it's just long and... No, that's fine. But like what I wanted to ask you is it takes so much because I know how you are, how I am, for you to even open your mouth and tell your dad you can't stay with us. That must have broken you. When we sat down and had that conversation for, we all broke down. We pretty much... I can't imagine. Yeah. But the thing is, you have to talk about it because... You can't brush it under the rug like it doesn't exist. Yes, it doesn't. Yes. Yeah. It makes everything hostile and, you know, the situation relatively bad overall. So in order to clear everything and be clear on his position and our positions and where we are, mm-hmm. it's if you make X, Y decisions, this is what's going to happen. If you choose her, this is what's going to happen because we gave him an, a choice. Mm-hmm. If it's us or her. And the thing was, he felt like he had to choose. And I was like, well, of course you had to choose. You put yourself in this situation because you should have given yourself more time. But now you're putting us in a situation to pick. And yet you're saying that we're forcing you to, to pick a side. That's like I said, this is from our perspective, from me, my brother, my sister. Right. We were not given any choice. Mm-hmm. You didn't come to us when you decided that you were going to see somebody and yet, here is your decision, like, you know, what happened with your mom pretty much, right? So it's like, you're discovering that- everything. You're going and trying to communicate with them. They're in denial. You're doing your level best, but then you still... And this is, again, to the listeners. This is, again, just from solely our perspective. Yeah, exactly. And our you, feeling at the time. You're feeling like you come across as the bully in this situation. Uh, yeah, definitely. You are. Like, an un- you're a bully, you're an ungrateful child. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Everything bad. Yes. <laughs> all are on the list on the above. <laughs> you are the person that's making your dad or your mom miserable. Decision. Mis- like, they can't make this decision because, one, they love the other person and they love you. Right? But yet, they're making you decide how that future is going to look. And for me, personally, it was this or that. Mm-hmm. I cannot do both. I cannot be the daughter that he wants me to be with the other woman that he's going to be with. Like, so he wants not. you to be the daughter that he's known. Yes. Accept his suffering, accept his new love, and at the same time... Accept her. Accept her. Open yeah. up your heart, because you have a big heart, and say, please, my arms are wide open. Come into my family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, great dad, I get where you're coming from, but let's take it step by step. Exactly. And then that is, I think, what they don't realize at times is that what an unfair ask it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, correct me if I'm wrong, our parents know how we are, that we would do anything for them. And I think when we, when circumstances like this happen, 
and we stand up and we voice an opinion, they are taken aback. Exactly. They are. And they think we're being rude and we're talking back and we're disrespectful and they don't know who these kids we're are that they've raised. Kids. Yes, what we are. Ki- kids. And, and that, you know, from our culture, that hurts a lot. They impound on you that one, they changed your diaper. They took care of you when you were a child. And when you're a child, you misbehave all the time, <laughs> right? So they're like, if I have to put up with you when you were young, why can't you put up with me now that I'm making these decisions? And a part of me is like, it's because I'm older. I don't want to put up with you. <laughs> what? And, and you had to put up with me because when I was a child, I was a kid and I don't know what I was doing. We made bad decisions and we learned from them, right? As a kid, you go through that whole learning process. And you learn it from your parents too, you know, like I said, culturally, everything that happens. And I'm like, you raised me this way. You can't blame me for being this hard on you, Mm -hmm. you know, because if the roles were reversed, you would have been just as hard on me. Right. Just look at it. When I was in high school, I couldn't date. I couldn't do any of the above. I just had to focus on school and that was it. Yes. Yes. And when you see your friends and you're in high school and they're dating X, Y, and Z and things are happening around them but you can't go to any parties you can't do any of that and you understand part of that is because you know they want you to stay focused right why can't they understand you now he didn't understand your like all of your concerns exactly like anything that you guys by you guys i mean your brother and your sister and you said to him he just wasn't willing to listen to any of that do you also think he Playing the devil's advocate a little bit, do you think he also went into shock a little bit by your unwillingness to accept? And also when you sort of put an ultimatum in terms of that, if you take this decision, then you are not welcome here. Oh, definitely. He went into shock. He had to go to the hospital. He went to shop. He was so upset that... He put himself in the hospital for a whole night. I mean, I should have laughed. Sorry. No, but that's what I'm saying. He was so shocked and just surprised that he ended up oh, at the hospital. One was minute. it serious? No, it wasn't serious. They didn't find anything. There was nothing wrong with him. But I, It was just the, the shock factor. Yeah. He definitely was, oh my God, I'm losing my kids, blah, 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 X, Y. But that didn't deter his decision to move forward. No, it did not. And a couple of days later, he forgot about it. And he started doing the same conversations. That he- so then he went back to Cambodia after that? Mm-hmm. He went back and he got married. He got married? Yeah. Okay. So we'll pause there. And you said you sat down with your dad and you told him, sorry, you, we won't be able to stay here. My mom, on the other hand, told me that she was moving out. And that was tough because I've always lived with my parents even when I had relationships, I had never moved out to live with anybody because I personally believe that I am open, I guess now, no, maybe to live-ins. But for me, I thought I would move in with somebody after marriage. And so while dating and being in relationships, you know, I could stay over or whatnot, but I've always lived at home. And then when we moved, my mom lived with me. And uh, when she told me that she was going to move out, I thought, okay, well, things will still be here. But the shock factor came in is when she literally started packing everything from her closet, all her clothes. And I said to her mom, 
you can leave some of the things behind. You don't have to take everything. And she's like, no, I'm going to get a container and they're going to ship everything. The way it was done, right? There was not consistent communicating with me what was going on in her head. Whatever was going on in her head and that she was talking to this guy about, the decision was made and I was told and then the action would follow right after. And again, I was just expected as a good daughter to accept it. Yeah. It was really hard because, you know, at the same time, like I have a job that is equally as demanding and stressful, but and you have to show up and not show these emotions. I felt like I was going through a bad breakup and you've lived in a dorm, right? And when you guys would renew a woman to a new place or somebody would move out, they would take all their things away. That is exactly what I was experiencing for the first time. Like I said, I've always lived with my parents. And I thought, oh my God, this is what happens when a bad roommate moves out or when that roommate ends up clearing out everything. Yeah. My mom was telling me, I'm going to take X, Y, and Z because your dad and I have worked so hard. The things that I own are the fruits of our labor. It's our blood, sweat, and tears. And I remember telling her, I said, mom, take it all. Take everything. I want nothing. Like I am not going to fight my mother on things that are replaceable. You are my mother. I can sleep on the floor. I have enough belief in my capabilities and you should have so much faith in your upbringing in me, knowing that I can fend for myself and I can replace all these things, right? These are insignificant, but your actions are leaving a deeper wound that is not necessary. Yeah. There are some things that I can't even bring myself to say out loud because they were just so silly. And I remember when her things came to be picked up by the shipping company that was going to take it across the country. It was during Diwali. And Diwali is our Indian New Year. It's a five-day festival that we celebrate. It's full of lights. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that year that festival was ruined ruined for me because my sister came over to help her package everything. We were out in front of the house in the cold while they were, I decided to just step away. Uh Yes, step back and packaging everything, wrapping it so it's nicely wrapped. It doesn't topple over when the shipping company comes to get it. And this was the first week of November, I believe. The next morning, which was our new year, they came to pick up all of the things that we had wrapped. And I think it was eight or 10 containers that went, big containers of her things. And the next day or the following day was her flight. So she left early in the morning. I woke up and I went to my altar, accepted everything. I didn't have to like what was going on. I didn't like it, but I accepted it. We were supposed to, by we, I mean my sister and I were supposed to accept and understand her process and be empathetic. Yeah. But the same respect wasn't given to us. At least we didn't feel it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe from their perspective, they thought that they were giving us time. Right. Mm -hmm. But it definitely wasn't felt by us. That was hard. And I remember November. So fast forward a few weeks, it's Christmas, right? And I remember her calling me. It must have been late November, early December and saying, oh, I want to come home for Christmas. And this is what I said. I remember exactly where I was standing. And I said to her, I said, mom, 
I don't feel like having company. At 38 years old, for me, for the first time to open my mouth and say, basically what I'm saying no. is <laughs> no, right? But I can't, I could never say the words no yeah. and oh to my mom, Yeah, just outright. So I said to her, mom, I don't feel like having company. And I said, mom, you can come. And she's like, oh, you know, we could go to Napa. And I said, this is your house. You can come. Do not expect anything of me. I am not in the mood to celebrate any holiday this year. And she said a few more things to sound more convincing, hoping that she would get a buy-in from me. And I just kept saying, mom, you can come. This is your house. I'm never going to stop you, which is true. Exactly. But I said, don't expect anything from me. I just want to be alone. Yeah, I did put up a Christmas tree that year. And usually I do outside decorations too. Like I love celebrating most of the festivals, Indian and like even Christmas and a few others included. But I didn't have the holiday spirit at all in me that year. And so what happened was she went to her sister's in Seattle. And the wild part is, is that on Christmas, usually my, and my aunt and I are pretty close. She didn't even call and wish me Merry Christmas because she was so upset, perhaps. I don't know what my mom told her, but my mom was there and not here. So she must have, even if my mom didn't say anything, drawn some conclusions. And I once again felt so alienated, you know, and I thought, you guys know me better, but you're acting like I am the worst child, that I don't care for my mom only because you are so laser focused on one person's pain when your love should be all encompassing and not just be for what you should only see one person's pain. You should be able to see my pain too. You know, my aunt calls me her daughter. You only see your sister's pain. You don't see your daughter's pain. And that was a hard pill to swallow. And I'm glad I took that time out for myself. And I actually, I'm so close to my mom. Like I will call her three, four times a day. I mean, even now. Yeah. But for a period of time, I stopped talking to her whereby I wouldn't call her for days on end. And I think our partner noticed too, where he would say, oh, Ash used to call you all the time. What happened? I think she would make excuses. I just needed a timeout. And I think that it was something that was hard for her to understand. And I know it really hurt her, but I was isolated. There was no support for me at all. I mean, my sister was there. We would talk to each other, but we weren't getting the support from the elders of the family. And I thought... This is, I have to look at the silver lining. This is a growing experience for me. Looking at my parents through a different light. In that moment, it wasn't in the best light. But it's also to understand that, you know, these facets of them exist as well. It's okay. Our feelings, my feelings, their feelings are all validated. However, I think I would have liked to see a little bit more support from the immediate family for my sister and I versus just empathizing with her. Oh, poor mom, my poor sister, you kids, they've done so much for you. You should know better. That sort of attitude. That was a tough one to swallow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to this day, I think a lot of my relatives are, I guess, I mean, they're kind of like sided with me. And then there are those that are, depending on what they hear and what they know, is saying, what an ungrateful daughter. How come she can't accept her dad wanting to move on with his life and, mm -hmm. you know, getting another partner? 
Yeah, I still feel that to this day when I meet a certain person or, you know, somebody who knows my dad mm-hmm. and they don't know me. I can definitely see their kind of like attitude towards me in terms of how they approach me, mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't know you. I can't judge you. But I do want the same respect as, you know, you don't know me. Please don't judge me based on, you know, what you hear. But it is what it is. And I think at, at a certain point, I've made peace. Like even, you know, I mean, I'm so deeply in love with my family. And like I said, I had to take a time out from them. But I also made peace with the fact, based on what you just said, is they didn't take the time out to understand me. So I feel like I don't owe them an explanation when they bring this up. So when they would bring about the subject of my mom, like when I went to go visit and I would tell them face to face my sentiments and they said, oh, I didn't know. And so I would look them and I said, well, when I tried to talk to you, you didn't want to listen. Yeah, exactly. Because, and I said it in a very nice way. I wasn't mean about it. Like it was in the, while we were talking and we were discussing things. And I think that's when they realized the mistake. And for the mere fact is that you see them catch, having that aha moment and you see that reflected on their faces. That is more than enough for me. Yeah. And I find solace in that. And I think that's okay. Everyone's allowed to make mistakes. They only saw the pain of their sister. At least I had my sister and the fact, and you had your brother and your sister too. Exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't as lucky. Yes, I had my sister, but we talked about it here and there. She had her own problems to deal with. So I was very much isolated in my thoughts for a little bit. And then I thought, wait a second, Ash, you have come out of things, harder things. A lot of things that life has thrown at you. This is just another curveball. So I picked myself back up because at the end of the day, I realized Everybody will listen to you. Everyone's going to have an opinion. This is another aspect of life. Just get up, deal with it, go through the emotions, how you feel, and then go back and see how I can show up for my mom. That was my thinking, though it did take a couple of months, actually a few months, three months or so. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes it's, like I said, my mom passed about five years ago and I'm still grieving. It's it doesn't disappear. No. So those feelings that I have in terms of that day when I talked to my dad, it is still there with me. And even to this day, it's me and my dad, we don't have a close-knit relationship. I barely talk to him. He does his own thing and we just leave it at that. Because for me, I don't want to be part of that relationship with him and his wife. I do not Because a part of me is like, I've already seen how my attitude's going to be towards her. Mm -hmm. And I do not want to have that argument or have that kind of hostility towards my my dad. So I try to keep it separated. I try to keep us separated. So that way, him and I don't have that that conflict because I don't want to go through that process. So that wouldn't be fair to say that even currently... You haven't fully accepted or embraced this change. I have not. I have not accepted or embraced any of the changes (laughs) that he's, yeah. Because when, like I said, when we had that conversation and Mm -hmm. it's her or us, I made that very clear. I'm one of those people who, you know, when you make a decision, you're firm on it. You're firm on it. You stay, you stay your path and that's it. But time, few years have gone by and you haven't wavered. 
I have not. <laughs> like I said, I'm one of those people, like, probably because it takes me a long time to go through the healing process where, like I said, I'm still grieving and I'm grieving quite like heavily too, you know, in terms of every so often I'm like, I find myself driving or doing something and I just randomly cry. Mm-hmm. I'll just come out. So it's like you have that person that you know that's been there for you and they're no longer there, right? Would it be fair to say is it now you feel two losses? Oh, exactly. Uh-huh. That's why. So it's yeah. amplified for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not going to reconcile because my family members, mm-hmm. they're like, reconcile with your dad. Maybe you'll feel better. I don't think that's what's going to help me. Maybe I think the relationship I, I dynamic think, has changed forever. Exactly. It's like, for me, it's going to take longer than maybe it'll take forever at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm not ready. And I don't think I'll ever be ready. That's the That's the thing. He made his decision. I respect his decision. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't like try to push it. So if he's happy, I'm happy for him. But if he wants me to get involved in terms of like doing daughterly things for him and his partner. And extending that to the ex- new family. Yes, extending it to the new family. I can't do that because I know I'm not going to do it the way that he wants me to do it. It's like that feeling where you know the expectation is different. Your expectation, my expectation is different. His expectation is different. And we're never going to meet in the middle Mm -hmm. at this point. So it's best to avoid it. Right. That's interesting. And and I can completely understand your sentiments and your feeling. For me, like I said, I took a few months to process. I took a time out. I think it was necessary for our relationship to move forward because I think even before this, we were having some growing pains. And I think that's natural as you go through different transitions in your life. But I have embraced the change. It allowed me to see of how interdependent we were on each other, right? My mom also did a lot of things for me. So when she was gone, the full responsibility fell on me. Exactly. Which is fine. I mean, thank God they raised us to be so responsible. And independent. And independent. But... It was a lot more undertaking when there's not another pair of hands helping you. Living all alone. That was something that I wasn't accustomed to. Even if like you don't communicate day to day, I mean daily because like I'm spending 10 hours working, though we're in the same household, we'll have dinner, we'll chat. At least there's that comfort of knowing that somebody is in the house, there's another person in the house. And having that removed, that was hard to deal with. I have met her partner. He is actually really lovely. They're very different individuals. So it's surprising that to see them come together, together yeah. because of such vast different differences in their personalities. But, you know, I respect him because he is my mom's partner. Yeah. And they have decided to move forward and forge a new relationship. Fortunately for me, I don't have to worry about this whole blended family, which is an advantage in the sense that his kids are grown, they're my age, if not plus or minus a couple of years, and they're all living in different cities. They have their own lives. They have their own families. I don't think his kids are fully supportive of his dad finding another person because the difference is that their mom is still alive and she has chosen to live with his daughter versus my dad has passed away. 
for me now, my mom and our relationship has gone back to the same. Don't expect anything from me. I now look forward to when she's visiting. And it's different. It's been a different adjustment, but it's nice. I think because I have embraced it when the dust settled your dad, when he remarried, does the current wife, does she have a family of her own? Do they play, like, does your dad want a family with her? What does, if you feel comfortable sharing that is. I don't know the answer to that question mm. because I don't have all the information. I know bits and pieces, but She's not here, you know what? And is your dad here right now? My dad's not here. He's in Cambodia right now, too. Mm. So it's, I guess, I don't have all that information to provide to you to, or to give you that background because I don't know. Would you say he is happy from what you know? From what I know, he, he seems to be happy. But I can... again, you know, you never know like the relationships. And the dynamics. Dynamics, exactly, because you're not there. And he's not communicating. And he's, well, so, you know, when I say I completely like do not communicate with my dad, it's not like a hundred percent cut off there. When he's back in the States, mm-hmm. he does come and visits. We talk about certain things, but I try not to cross that boundary between, you know, what conversations we can have. Because when he makes the conversation about accepting and there's sometimes things that he says that I feel are inappropriate because I'm not ready to have that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's pushing his buttons when he's, he does approach me with those kind of conversation. So our relationship right now is very like distance, but we're still talking in some sense. It's not like we're completely not talking to each other because you can never really cut off your parents. Your parents, you're, you know, you're still family in turn. Absolutely. Aspect. And I told him the same thing. I told him that this is your decision that you want to make. I'm fine with it. I'm not angry at you as like angry, angry, you know, when I was having the first conversation with you when you were lying Mm -hmm. to me about it. But I'm not at that point where I'm ready to accept any of that. And that's fair. Additional, yeah, information. Just because one, I guess, you know, for me, like I said, it's kind of sudden. It's more, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm still grieving in that grieving process. So anything extra on top of that is just, I'm not ready to to go there with him. And I don't think, you know, if people ask me if I'm ever going to be ready, I don't think I'll ever, you'll never be ready to fully embrace the changes, Mm -hmm. especially this type of change. Mm -hmm. But you'll get to a point where you might be able to accept it and move on. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of at that point where I've accepted it and I've moved on in my own way. And that's enough for me for now. And I think that's that's an excellent point, what you said, and important to reinstate that that's enough for you for right now. Yeah. At least the doors are open. Exactly. And you're leaving room for hope when the time is right. Yeah. When the time is right. It's like I said, initially, it takes time to get to know somebody and to actually see how they are. And right now, this is what it is. It's It's time to getting to know her to make sure that like, She's in it for the long term mm-hmm. with my dad and that like she's not looking for something else mm-hmm. in the short span of thing. And, and only time will tell. Exactly. And so if he's happy now, that's all that matters. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he made that decision. He should be happy with his decision. If he's not, then that's another story. And I told him that if 
he decides that this relationship isn't going to work, it's not like he's going to be by himself. He can always come back to us. Yeah. He always has us to support him. Mm -hmm. So he's never alone in that respect. It's just right now, I can't be that person that he wants me to be in terms of kind of, I guess he wants like a new family, a new start. You know what I mean? And I can't be part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I think it's so interesting. Like there's so many similarities, but I, to your point where you're saying the, the differences is that I have fully embraced it. And even with my mom's new partner, I'll text him sometimes. Yeah. Oh, he'll text me. And if I can't get a hold of my mom, I'll call him. Sometimes when I call my mom, he's on speakerphone. And so we'll have a conversation. He gives me advice. Like sometimes when I'm talking, like I said, and I'm a speakerphone, like he would to his own children. So I listen. Yeah. When I, we went back home to visit my granny, my mom brought him. So the whole family has met him. So that's nice. Yeah. And again, for me, I respect him because he's my mom's partner. He's been nothing but kind to me. He doesn't force himself on us. He understands the children's sentiments and so does my mom. And they're not trying to push their will upon us, which is fantastic. Which is really important. Yes, extremely exactly. important. And that has allowed me to be comfortable enough that if I need to, I can call him or if he feels the need to talk, he can pick up the phone and call me. And I think I think that's important. It helps with the situation and it goes, it, I think, a lot smoother too. Absolutely does. I mean, of course, it's not going to need my dad. And it's just, I don't know if he could give her the same love my father gave her, but I want to make sure that you are going to be supportive and a loving partner. And uh, she's happy. Forward, yeah. And that she's happy. Exactly. You know, I think your circumstances, it's a little bit different than mine in that my dad's partner is somebody a lot younger than me and is not from here mm -hmm. and in a different country, in a different situation. And it's just, it makes it that much harder, I think, for me to accept that situation. Mm. So there's a lot of factors for me. That's why, I guess, in a way, like you said, values, mm -hmm. that we share the same values. And for me coming off, the fact that I felt like she was taking advantage of him because he's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because he's just lost somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And so six months into it, it's like he hasn't had enough time to grieve or process anything. Mm -hmm. I'm sure of it because I went through the same process he did, mm -hmm. you know? And if I didn't, I wouldn't be here speaking about it. You know what I mean? It's different. But we lost somebody that was like our entire life, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So it's different in that she's somebody I don't think has that same values as we do. Because otherwise, I felt like she would have given him a lot more time in that process. This just dawned on me right now. Does anybody like back home know of this lady? And if so, what have you learned about her like from other people? I don't have much connection back at home you know because i grew up here in the states and it's his mom and his family that are back there and i hope that they're looking out for him as much as like we hope that they're looking out for him you know what i mean because they are his family but at the same time it's he's been separated from his family for quite some time since he, 
Oh, he's only been back twice to Cambodia since he's been here. And we've been here for 30 something years, 40 something years almost. So it's very, yeah, over 40 something years because it's so that gap in between the time that he's here and that he goes and visits once in a while. It's, I don't know. Like I said, I hope his family looks out for him as much as like. Wow. So he left his new life here, or I guess the life that he knew because so much time has passed by since you guys have been, you guys have been well settled in the U.S. Yeah. Uprooted that within a year of your mom's passing, probably because the emotions were too heavy. He needed somebody else. And then he's adjusting back to being back in Cambodia with the family that, you know, he saw every now and then. Exactly. And now with a new family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what he must be going through. Yeah. Exactly. But then again, we have to let them figure it out themselves. Exactly. You know, which brings me to ask you through all of this, through all the ups and downs and the emotions and everything that we have spoken about thus far, what would you say you have learned from this experience? And I'll go first while I give you time to call it your thoughts is what I learned was number one, which I didn't used to do before was set boundaries. And it was hard to do that because I can't, like I mentioned earlier, outright say it, but saying it in a way that I am comfortable with trying to be more patient when I think I was quite patient, but I think I should have exercised more patience and really coaxed her to open up more. When I knew things were going on and even every time she shut me down, when I tried to communicate, I wish I wouldn't have let a lot of time go by, I should have shortened the amount of time that went by before I went back to communicate with her. And I should have changed my approach. And now looking back in hindsight, the genuine concerns that I shared with you, I still have them. And they're like, you know, sometimes she'll share things with me and I say to myself, it's okay. Let's not have a harsh opinion about this. I look at it from the lens of like, let me show them the trust that they showed us when we were young, right? If I feel strongly about something, I will try not to push it. I will tell her how I feel and wait for them to see how they come back or what they come back to me with rather. It's just taking the approach of when they showed us trust when we were young, when we were kids, they let us fall and make mistakes, right? So I'm taking the same approach not letting them make mistakes, but making myself so capable that should something happen that we didn't account for, I am there now to catch them when they fall because they have made me so capable with their values and everything that they have instilled in me. That is the approach and the mindset that I am leading forward with. But ultimately, I just hope that they're happy. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, but I think somebody looking out into my our conversation, I would think the complete opposite that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, which I, fair, I, yeah, I agree with everything you've said. But at the same time, I'm happy where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because, one, I've learned to kind of go with the flow, mm-hmm. you know, let time heal itself. And hopefully things will be good 
and that one, he's happy. Because mm-hmm. that's my main concern is that out of everything, even with our relationship being the way that it is right now, mm-hmm. is like I said, if he's happy, I'm happy for him. It's like that extra stress for me is is gone. I don't have to worry about him. If everything is going the way that he wants and he's healthy and things are working out for him, then that's it. It doesn't matter anything else. Everything else is secondary. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the other part is like when you said, you know, that you're going to be there to support them. Mm-hmm. When if things does, if for some reason things don't go the way that is expected. And, you know, our parents are getting older. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're getting any younger and we're getting older. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And so that time, it's not going to be as long as... No, the window's short. Yeah. It's actually a lot shorter. So you want to spend as much time as you can with them and be accepting for them. So it's like, it's going to be shorter, but it's just, like I said, it's going to take time. And right now he's doing fine. And so that's what makes me happy. And that's what makes me able to do the things that I'm doing like every day. Because mm-hmm. I'm not stressing about what's going on with him. Is he okay? And things like that. So yeah, there's definitely other things that I've learned over the time frame. But I think it's because it's just the fact that you know, when you grow older, you just can't hold on to things as nitty gritty as you would when you were younger. No, it's you got to let go. And things that you think are important might not be that important. And so those value kind of change over time a little bit as well, too. You know, Wow. We have covered a lot. So thank you for sharing this. This was not easy at all. And I feel like we there's so much more we could go talk about. But let's give it a rest yeah. here for today. Again, I want to stress to the audience, it's not easy for adult children, and this happened to us in our 30s, to have their parents experience love for a second time. Or experience loss and then experience a new yes, love. You know? Thank you. Yes, experience loss and a new love. And we have tried to do with the best way we can. I think so far, wouldn't you agree if you take a step back and look at it? It is a wonder at how resilient the human heart is and how after such a big loss, it is commendable that at their age, they're able to show the courage to open up their heart to love again. Oh, yeah. And it takes so much, especially as you get older. And I want to make sure that, you know, though we have been discussing our pain and our perspective, that we do go ahead and acknowledge the bravery that they showed in taking this step forward and really uprooting their entire lives to restart again, irrespective of our emotions. Yeah, their exactly. bravery needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. Like I said before, I think part of that is is the fear, right? It's mm-hmm. like you let fear run you, but then let time kind of heal that as well. And with my dad... I'm hoping he's going through that process right now and that he's happy where he is. Like I said, that's all that matters is that even with all the, we think it's a bad decision, it's X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, if they're happy, that's all that we care about. Mm -hmm. So with that, thank you everybody for joining us on this deeply personal episode of Between Us. So Paul, thank you for... No, thank you. Bye. And sharing this, it 
it wasn't easy for you. It hasn't been easy for me, but it's comforting. And there's so many things I've learned about your process that I'm sure you have with me because we haven't done a deep dive between us. And to our listeners, I hope that if you're going through this, you can probably learn from us, learn from our mistakes, from the things that we have shared and just be open-minded. It's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not an overnight process, but you have to allow yourself and the other party some grace, some time and know that time heals. And that time does look different for everybody, but there is hope. There's always hope. So with that in mind... I will sign off now. And until the next episode, I just want to leave you with this, that uh, love is a tapestry that is woven with so many fine threads of memories, hope, and courage. And I hope that this episode provides you all some insights and the strength for all of the challenges and new journeys you may all embark on. Take care. We'll talk soon.